I waited 10 seconds. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Horror and More with Anya Gore. I am your horror mistress, Anya. And tonight I am very excited to introduce John Richards from the amazing horror podcast, Horror For Ya. I wouldn't call it amazing, but thank you so much. Appreciate it, Anya. How are you? <laughs> I would call it amazing. I've been listening to you guys probably for about a year. Um, oh, nice. You know, consistently, I shouldn't say I listen to the episode head to toe because I have kids and a very busy life, but I try to listen to you guys as much as I can. And we try to we try to keep it as consistent as we can, and we really really appreciate it. I I, I think the one thing that I really really appreciate is that uh, you had mentioned that you got the podcast started. You kind of got motivated by us, and I, I think that's the most flattering thing for us. And we're, we're like, you know, we're just two dumbass guys that that work in Wisconsin and um you know radio guys and we decided to talk about horror movies and the fact that we motivated somebody is uh the most <laughs> thing in the world well it's easy to be motivated when I think that you guys have really <clears throat> accurate opinions about things you know mm -hmm. I I agree with a lot of your movie tastes some of Andy's um <laughs> a lot of yours and um I don't know. I just find you guys really fun to listen to. You're not boring and you're never offensive and it's just right up a horror fan's alley. So, well, well I, I may change that tonight, but yeah, we, we try to keep it as, <laughs> as almost PG as we can, just because we do, uh, we do work for a radio company. So basically our, our, podcast goes out to other radio stations within our company and you know we, we I, I guess you don't necessarily need the the language and stuff like that but it, it's we try to keep it as uh, yeah I guess PG-13 because some of the content we talk about is is is, is pretty extreme so it can be absolutely yeah. I know. I wish. Oh, I wish no, that I. I that was that, I, that. That was that was like one of the ones that we really had to skate around everything. <laughs> I bet. I. You know. I. I haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast or watch it yet. I know you've recommended it a whole bunch of times, and I do. Oh yeah. <laughs> I do really want to get into it, especially after you recommended me watching The Wailing, and I watched that one, and it just blew my mind. And that's what we're talking about tonight, right? Well, not The Wailing. Oh. Um, <laughs> but um but what we are going to talk about tonight is i i came at john with an idea and uh we didn't really sit down and previously talk about exactly what we're going to talk about so we're going to free free range this conversation tonight which i'm excited about mm -hmm. um we're going to talk about how some of these horror franchises have really embraced the horror comedy genre and some of them have really tried to not embrace it and even though yes they're making money and they're making horror movies you know with horror fans or critics their movies are flopping left right and center and right. you know there's so many that we can talk about but a few that spring to mind for me as a 
big Evil Dead fan or basically all of Sam Raimi's movies, but definitely the Evil Dead franchise. Yeah. I, I felt they embraced the horror comedy so beautifully. It's such a beautiful marriage of horror and comedy. Don't you think they leaned into it a little bit more with Evil Dead 2? I mean, to me, it's like Sam was trying to do... I, I, I agree. I, I think with the first one, he really did. And he didn't have the budget, but yeah. it was like he made this, he, he made the same movie with a bigger budget, which, God, and I hate, this might be sacrilege because anybody <laughs> that's an Evil Dead fan, they're going to say like, no, the first one was the best. No, this, to me, the second one was the best. Um, it, it, it just, it, it had the gore and, and, and like Sam goes, Wait, hold on a second. I've got this formula of 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 greatness right here, and and I can add more blood, more guts, and more gore, and more just fun to it. Um, God, <laughs> people are gonna hate me for this too. You know, I I was okay with Army of Darkness. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> it's like I love Bruce Campbell as a as Ash Williams. Um, yeah, the movie's okay. I, I, you know, it was like he basically was recording liners for uh, what was it? Uh, Duke Nukem, you know, <laughs> here's my boomstick, whatever. Um, but I did, I the the Fetty Alvarez remake, oh, I loved that movie. So I, I would say, agree. as far as the franchise goes, and, and you know, I, I will not take anything away from Sam Raimi of what he developed with this. You know, uh, Ash versus Evil Dead, everything was fantastic with that. But I mean, I, I think to me, the ones that really stick out were Evil Dead Two, and um, you know, the 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 remake. The, yeah. To me, the remake was just it, it took it uh, a more serious tone it was more gory it was like i think that's what he was trying to do with the first one that's why he was so on board with it maybe i i completely a hundred percent agree with your comments and i know i know as well that andy is a massive evil dead fan so oh huge he's probably gonna listen to this and shake his head i agree with you evil dead was great it <laughs> It was the first one. So we all went into it really not knowing what it was. And then you see it presented to you and you can understand it's a low budget, but you get this introduction to Ash and it's just, it's awesome. But then the same, I agree with you, the same thing, the second one, bigger budget. And you can just really see into Sam Raimi's world and what he really wanted to do. And then I'm the same as you. Army of Darkness was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I did love it. <laughs> <laughs> I do find there is a certain age of men that love this movie. It's the same men that love the princess bride. It's, you know, they like the comedy and the action mixed in with this other world element. And I, I get it, but it was not my favorite. And then I'm the same as you, the new one. Oh, I saw that in the theater and this is a spoiler alert. If anybody that is listening has not watched any of these and you want to stop it now, go listen to or go watch and then come back and listen. Yep. Um, but the new one, the ending with the blood rain. Oh, that was. Well, and, 
it, it turned it on its head because it made uh, the, the the female like the Ash Williams yes. character. Yeah, that, 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 that's exactly why I think that that you know that that Sam Raimi was so behind this remake. You know, what was it, two thousand and twelve, thirteen, or you know maybe before that? But I mean, he was so behind it because it was so dark. I mean, yeah. like, like you, watch, you watch that movie, and it's like like a uh, young girl is like tied up to a tree, and this father's gonna burn her, but. You know, she is so possessed, and you already did the spoiler, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So, so you see, you see him gonna burn his daughter, but she's obviously demonic, you know. And that's that's where I get the, you know, I think Sam Raimi kind of wanted to do that, but mm-hmm. people were so excited about Evil Dead, you know, it was so low budget, and people had such a good time with it yeah. that he he pretty much made the same movie with a bigger budget, but it actually made Ash Williams like who he was. Cause I don't think, I don't think evil dead one or the original evil dead made Ash Williams. I think it was the second one. And then they made army of darkness. And then they, you know, Ash Williams became this like icon for yeah. Uh, horror. Yeah. He didn't fully embrace the Ash part of that character until the end of the first one. It was, I guess once he kind of cut off his arm is when that fully, fully, fully embraced Ash. Right. And, and you saw more of that. You saw more of like yeah. Bruce Campbell, who's, who's a fantastic actor. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him, but he, you know, he just, he, he stepped it up in that second one. I agree with you. I, um, I actually looked up some fun facts. Fun facts seem to be my favorite thing to do with these podcasts so I don't you might know some of these things but you may not I'm hoping that you don't know all of them I don't Andy would know all these (laughs) this movie was only made for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars the the original yeah oh my gosh wow but bear in mind 30 years ago three hundred and fifty thousand dollars would be a lot more (laughs) Yeah, but it, that that would be like a Blumhouse like production right there, just like really low budget. No, yep. you don't know anybody, so yeah, understood. Yeah, yep. uh, Sam Raimi was also twenty when it was shot, so he was a little baby. He couldn't even like do a shot of tequila. No. <laughs> um. Well, okay. That's so that. <laughs> I found <laughs> out that everything in that movie was real, so when it appeared that they were on drugs and hallucinating. They actually were, um, according to. Whoa, yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I know they filmed it in Michigan. So, I mean, like maybe they were just in some backwoods and just like. They the were. Kept feeding them drugs. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Campbell said he ingested marijuana and lost his sense of time and where he was. And in that moment of. I guess when Bruce was losing him, his sanity, Sam Raimi decided to shoot the Ash breakdown scene. Oh shit. That's funny. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. I thought so. Yeah. That just, I don't know. That gives, it gives it a more sense of realism to me that these guys did start off. Basically that, that, that was the, that was the majority of the budget right there though. Right. You know, just to, like get the real reaction from them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I didn't know this. But I that, didn't either. That's that's insane. I know, I know. Um, 
so the the first one was based on a short 30 minute super film called within the woods that Raimi did I've never seen that I've actually heard about it like to be honest with you I've, I've I've always wanted to check it out because I've heard that fact but I've never actually watched it uh, you know if you ever find it please please send it to me I would love to watch it oh I'll send you a link so you can watch it too I mean because that would be interesting as shit right there <laughs> absolutely All right comes the cussing because it's uh it's a weekend and uh, <laughs> drinking time. <laughs> That's okay. You're you're with the horror mistress, so cussing's allowed. Sweet. I will curse away then. <laughs> uh my last fun fact, I had no idea. This just <laughs> I thought was hilarious. Joel Cohen was an assistant editor of this movie. The director? Correct. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mind blown. Mm -hmm. Wow, you did some uh, really good research tonight. Joel Cohen, really? Yeah, of the Cohen brothers. (laughs) Didn't he work with Raimi on a few movies? You know, I don't know. I think he did. I'm hit or miss with the Cohen brothers. I like some of their movies. I don't like some of their movies. Yeah, but I I, have. I don't know. Maybe both of them worked with him on uh, the Spider-Man movies that he did. So, oh, maybe I, I'm unaware. Oh, we're talking horror. Horror. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Those, those, those superheroes. No, no, no. It's like all good. <laughs> I just, I personally don't watch very many superhero movies. The only one I really enjoyed was Black Panther. So. Oh, geez. R.I.P. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. I know. I know. Oh I know. I, I'm sorry. Can I sidetrack that? How bummed out were you when you heard about that? Yeah, that, I was not. I did not wake up expecting to hear that. Not at all. No. No. No, he's such a good actor. And uh, my son is obsessed with Black Panther. So everything we have to talk about is Black Panther. But this Black Panther, that. And I was really expecting to be able to show him a series of more movies that were going to be coming out. But um, I really hope they don't touch it because... Well, how, how did you approach that, though? I mean, how, how did you approach, like, telling him that, you know, this happened? Well, my son's only five, so it's not really registering that Black Panther isn't a real person. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. So he still thinks, he doesn't understand that it's an actor playing Black Panther. Um, yeah. I know that was it was really disappointing because I absolutely love that movie and that character and everything it represented and yeah that was yeah I, I think the one thing that bummed me out was it like I think that we're semi close in age that was like forty three years old and he, he had been dealing with oh. this for four years and you're like oh gosh sorry I, I don't mean to sidetrack this but no. we got to get on. We got to give a little love to Chadwick. So. Of course we do. Of course. He, very young. And yeah, he hid it from the public. Yeah, exactly right. It's crazy. Yeah. Sorry. I, I Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was just, I was bumming about that. Don't worry. I get it. I'm bumming about him too. I know. Um, but Evil in, bad. yeah. Well, so in terms of, 
me thinking about, you know, other movies, franchises that have really embraced the horror comedy. The next one that comes to mind naturally for me is The Nightmare on Elm Street. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. I don't think, I don't think Nightmare really became a comedy until uh, number three. See, this is where I don't know, because in the first one, he is, Freddie's spitting off one-liners basically from the get-go. Right, and- but, 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 but he's also like the, the, like the worst uh, antagonist that you've ever seen. And, you know, you get his backstory at the end of the movie, and it's, I don't think it's still funny. And in the second one, it's like, I don't know if you've seen that uh, the documentary on, oh, well, you, you guys get Shutter out there in Canada? We do. I don't have it. Okay. Um, well, they did the uh, Scream Queen thing. Uh, the Mark Patton guy that, that did the second one. That guy was like like so shunned for his performance in in the second one. It was like you got to watch it. I, I'm not gonna get into it, but I mean, you don't see Freddie and get funny or, or or like humorous until the third one. I mean, the first one he's just a, he's just this slasher. I mean, he's a he's a killer. So. He is, but he has a big smile on his face and he does run after these young kids laughing. And then he says little things like, um, hold on, I wrote down one of them. How's this for a wet dream? <laughs> How, <laughs> it's, it's hard to look at that series and not assume that they were going for the comedic effect and right off the bat. I mean, maybe... <laughs> Maybe they weren't. I don't know. But I felt like it was meant to be comedic right off the from the get go. I, I, I guess like looking back at it. Yeah. I mean, Freddie was obviously going to be like one of your, you know, the, 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 the icons of horror movies. But I don't think that first one really got it because. I guess until the end of that movie, you know, because he pulls the mom through the door and that was kind of comedic, but yeah. <laughs> it was just, I don't think it was necessarily, I, I don't know if any franchises really said, you know, hey, look, we've got an icon right here. Until Chucky, and maybe we'll get to that <laughs> later, but, but, I don't think that that any franchise in the 80s or the 70s really said, you know, this is going to be our uh, slasher that's going to carry us to the future, regardless how, of how shitty the, uh, the the sequels are. Well, I mean, ironically, me- ironically <laughs> that you say that, actually, the the writer, I found this out, this small little tidbit, because I didn't do a lot of research into the Friday the 13th, because I'm not in love with the Friday the 13th series. Uh, me either. But uh, the writer for the first one admitted that he purposely was writing the success of John Carpenter's Halloween. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> I really cool. think that they believed wholeheartedly that Jason was it for them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But uh, uh, you're, 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 uh, Anya, you're taking me down a rabbit hole right here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I'm gonna take us out of the Freddy mode. Okay. And we're gonna we're gonna go down the Halloween mode. 
Ooh. Oh, I know where this is going. All right. (laughs) Uh, So so we had Halloween. And if you've ever listened to the podcast, Horrorphoria podcast, Mm -hmm. um, uh, that is my ultimate favorite horror movie. You know, I, without question, um, above Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw, whatever. Um, (laughs) I love the second one. I mean, the second one scared me more as I was an eight-year-old child just because of the music. Um, But Michael Myers has become an icon in horror movies. Um, And then they, 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 the second one was fine. Third one to me has become more of a, like, I I guess a, a sentimental favorite for me. And then they did four, five, six, and then what, H2O, and then Resurrection. <laughs> and then we get to, uh, I, I'm a rock guy. I, uh, I work at a country station, but I'm a rock guy. I like Rob Zombie. I, I really do. I respect him, but he did, um, he did his uh, reboot. Yep. You did. So, so you've actually brought it up in past podcasts. Uh, <laughs> you're going to defend Rob Zombie. So please defend yourself. Um, <laughs> Rob Zombie remade Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's good about it. Okay. Well, right. first, I will say that you know, as, as you've mentioned before, I think in your three from hell, um, podcast, Rob Zombie is an excellent writer. He is not the best director. And I agree with you on that, but that being said, um, I understand his vision and he knows more about old horror than I could even fathom. So knowing that he has this keen old school horror eye when he is making any horror movie, he's making it very detail oriented. And right Mm -hmm. off the bat, that gives me this level of respect for him because he's not going into these movies anticipating people are going to love it. He's making it for himself and his love of the craft. So he had been talking about making Halloween prior to when he actually made house of a thousand corpses. He has loved Halloween forever. I I don't know if it's his favorite Halloween or horror movie, but he's mentioned he wanted to make that movie for a really long time. And so once he got into the studio budgets, he was able to do Halloween and they gave him more free reign to do the movie. And he did it in a way that he wanted to pay tribute to one of his old favorite movies with his own metal horror Rob Zombie world twist to it, which I think he completely encompassed and embraced. And he took his version of it and he made it very twisted. And I know a lot of people struggled with Sherry Moon's character in it. And I get that it, it was cheesy sometimes, but the kid who played Michael Myers when he was young, oh, he nailed that role. And he had such a good relationship with Rob Zombie while they were filming. You could feel the chemistry between the two of them. It sort of exuded during all of these scenes. And I felt that 
was a very important element of the movie when you're watching it. You can feel the connection with Dag, the actor, and that role. Yeah, and I think and I, and the kid was fantastic. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He absolutely he was, but I think he wouldn't have been as fantastic if it was a different director. That's the thing. I think it was a bit of a connection with the role with Rob Zombie and with the writing of that screenplay. And so because of all of that, I can bypass some of the elements that I didn't love as much. Right. And well, I, I know that people... I, I'm going to disagree with you because it's, I think Rob Zombie's actually got a lot of talent as a director, as a screenwriter or a writer. No. Oh, you uh, think it's the opposite. Okay. <laughs> I do. I, I, I think he's got like like the best vision. Like his cinematography oh. cinematography is really, really good. It's amazing. Like every, every single one of his movies, you'll see this like brilliance of like, oh my gosh. Like that's that's fantastic. I'm I look to me, if if I was gonna give Rob Zombie like his kudos or his give Rob Zombie is Oscar, it would be Devil's Rejects. As hard as that was a, to watch, yeah. But like cinematography was, it, it was like he almost took Texas Chainsaw and just kind of, you know, put it into now. Yeah. Um, the problem with him doing a Halloween movie was, you know, he wrote it to where. It was a rock. It, it, it was like a, you know, it was like a heavy metal video at parts. See, you know, I, didn't, I didn't feel that only because, like, it isn't. It isn't really like a white zombie video or any of the the stuff that he's yeah, ever done. Like, like, like when Michael Myers became the shape you know obviously and it pissed me off it's like all of a sudden you know the michael myers mask of uh, uh you know uh william shatner got put on and yeah. then he became the shape and it's like this little kid and, and the kid did great don't mm -hmm. get me wrong but he was walking down the hallway and everything was shaking around him and it's like he's gonna kill his sister judith not like it was in the original. <laughs> it was just like, this kid is just pissed off about not being able to go trick-or-treating. He was, you know. Well, I think, I think that's one of the elements that Rob Zombie didn't explain, but he did sort of delve into. And again, he does this in House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. But he mm -hmm. has these psychopaths and there's no rhyme or reason for them being psychopaths. They're just born this way. And right, right. his version of Halloween with Michael Myers is exactly that. It shows to you that this kid is, he is just complete psychopath from the get-go. And some people struggle with there not being kind of a reason for it, so to speak, right? Right, right. but he, he gave so much of a backstory of who Michael Myers was, is that, you know, the 1978 version is, you know, this kid, it, like you just said, is that Michael Myers is a six-year-old kid that didn't get, get to go trick-or-treating. He killed his 
you know, sister Judith after her boyfriend left and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So much of a backstory that it was just like, wait, hold on a second. Uh, she didn't really do anything shitty to him. Well, that's, that's the embracing of the psychopath part, right? Where, so you see this backstory from Michael's perspective, but you don't, you aren't given an explanation as to why he is that way. He just, well, no, exactly right, but, but then again, he throws in his, like, like, like his stepdad just being a vulgar, yeah. you know, misogynistic guy that that's just going to say all these kind of things that you're like. That's unnecessary. Okay, I, I, you know, I get it. You know, this kid is psycho. You know, <laughs> it, there, there, there could have been a different way of like approaching this, but I, again, I, I think it's just because I'm so nostalgic about the original that it's yeah, like a really hard time of you know trying to see the backstory of Michael Myers. Of you know, they, there were some cool scenes. You know, he beat the shit out of that that one kid with the stick. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, so I kind of see that. But, you know, he puts on a mask, and then this is the reason for the mask. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it. I completely understand. I think maybe I'm a little bit biased because I love him so much, and I love most of his other movies. <laughs> um, and growing up, I wasn't as attached to the Halloween movies, so I can completely understand when you're, it, it would be like if Rob Zombie were to redo Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> I don't yeah. know that I would ever be able to completely enjoy it, especially if it was his version of it. Yeah, it, well, I guess maybe that's the way to look at it, is that if you look at, like, something that you're so nostalgic about or that you love so much, and, you know, somebody took, took that vision of, of what you think as perfection, and they try to like turn it on its head. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I, I and if we're gonna go like to franchises, you know, you, you go like four, five, six. You got Danielle Harris. You know, she's a young girl. She's supposed to be Michael Myers's uh, niece, I guess. Yeah, the brunette. Yep. Yeah, and then you know we come out in 2018. You know what? None of that happened. None yeah. of that happened. <laughs> You know, it's funny, the, I guess it was Halloween that recently came out. Was it two years ago or one year ago where Lori is older and taking, she's trying to take revenge on Michael and uh, everybody has been telling me I'm going to love it, watch it. And I got to tell you, I wasn't able, able to make it through. (laughs) Oh, you didn't watch it all the way through. I mean, I was okay with it, but I mean, it's just like, I've got such high regard for the original one. I mean, yeah. even the, the 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 sequel where apparently he's the brother for her, but you know, I don't know. I just ugh, Halloween is just such high regard for me. Just, yeah, I understand that. I do, but you have to. This, this is the thing with with the Halloween franchise. I found that, and the same with you know Friday the Thirteenth and some of the nightmares the first one is so so good that they should not have continued to go and they did because dollar signs and you know we have a good thing here so let's continue to roll with it and people like scare being scared and want to watch scary movies so i understand 
why these franchises exist, but to spit them out one after the other, you know, I remember seeing H2O in the theater and I almost walked out. It was just awful. And I just never understood why they continued to go and continue to make more. Ask Rob Zombie. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Well, okay. <laughs> I do have to agree with you. Three from Hell was not awesome. <laughs> no, I wasn't there. Hey, you want to do another franchise that would that, that that apparently is supposed to be a good franchise? Uh, Sleepaway Camp. Oh. Yes, I do want to talk about this one. Have you seen them? I haven't seen four and five. Uh, I've seen the first one, and that's like one of my favorite slash movies, uh, Felissa Rose. Yes. She was a 13-year-old girl. 13, I know. Exactly right. Like like, like in Upper New York, and you know they filmed this movie, and it was just like, like to me, that movie was so innovative um i don't know i'm not a director or producer or writer but they made more like probably 10 years after that like the second and third one and oh god they were awful um but also really funny though they were you were able to watch them and laugh and still say, I can watch this. It's okay. They're, they're bad, but they're good, bad. I I don't necessarily agree because I mean, it's like, like, like (laughs) the one thing about sleepaway camp, what was, what was the best thing about sleepaway camp was the big twist at the end. For sure. You know, is that Angela was not Angela and she had, um, more than she was letting on, mm-hmm. and it was like Angela. Uh, not to say that, that that Pamela Springsteen did anything wrong as that role of Angela, but it was, you know, she became a sympathetic character. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she she became a can't camp counselor they kept changing the name of the camp um um she she sang a song and she felt accepted and then and then all of a sudden it was like you know i'm sorry you know slip away camp too you know angela's gone again and then uh angela took the role of somebody else but she still wanted to go to the camp and I'm sorry. I watched these movies like recently, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, what was the point of Sleepaway Camp? It was that shock value of okay, yeah. this little girl, yeah, and her brother and her dad were out on a boat. Um, somebody got killed. Well, obviously the dad did, but did the girl or did the boy get killed? And then at the end of Sleepaway Camp, you spoiled it, right? Mm-hmm. I did. Okay. Um, Angela was a boy and that was like the big iconic, like, you know, shock face, like screaming of, oh my gosh, Angela's a boy, you know, the eighties weird thing. And Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. I, I don't know why they continued that, that franchise. Uh, I don't. I mean, I think they wanted to continue with the different, version of 
a slasher in a female, so to speak, role that wasn't Friday the 13th, because these were kind of competing around the same time. And you had Jason, but here you had Angela. And I mean, I know what you mean in the second and the third, they didn't really acknowledge the elephant in the room. She appeared right. female the entire time and it was never really addressed that she's actually not a female. Um, and then, yeah, it just really plays up on her psyche, which is funny because I remember the first time I watched Sleepaway Camp, it was, I was quite young and it was the same thing. It was a shock. Oh my God, she's really a boy. And, but then when you go back and watch it again and you kind of pay attention to all of the buildup, it, it, it's pretty easy to pick up on those nuances prior to when Angela actually even gets to the camp. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, and you could see that all the time, but I mean, the thing is, is that they just like say Angela is a slasher, but she's, she's not, God, I I guess she's like no gender. She's binary. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's like, you know, I'm female, but I'm male, but you know, they don't lean into that. Um, I didn't see four and five. So I'm like, I don't know. I agree with you. I feel like her psyche from her mother, obviously losing her son or daughter, I should say, (laughs) and embracing her son and forcing her son to become a different gender because she lost her daughter. They didn't really get into that. And that was such a, a raw thing they could have done. And well, it was the aunt. I mean, the aunt, oh, the the aunt one that right. like, 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 like made her or him, her, yeah. which, you know, it could have been like, you know, lean more into that, but yeah, it was absolutely. just more like, you know what? Hey, I'm a camp counselor. I love this place. And if you don't abide by the rules, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> And that, that's what they did with the third one too. It was just like yeah. you know they 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 played a lot of her like like singing of like hey if you're not happy you're going to die. But like everybody was cheering for her and they're like wait hold on is she the protagonist now? What? <laughs> but wait, see, this is this is one of the franchises I was talking about though. I think they embraced that comedic element and they made it cheesy. I yeah. think they they really went that direction on purpose. And I think that's why it's okay to watch it and not love it. But at the same time, it's kind of funny. It's cheesy. It is fine. They could have done a lot of things with it, but they didn't. And I think their budget obviously was low because I found out that um, Felisa was only paid $5,000 for her role. That is crazy. Oh, and and the original one? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it it ended up making... 30 times more than it was spent on. And it's a little, you know, disappointing to hear that she only made that much money from it. Oh, that's terrible. I know, but she was 13 and it's unfortunate. It was the eighties. Well, the one thing about Felissa is that she's all about horror movies now and uh, we're proud of her. Oh yeah. She's producing and everything else, else like that. So I think she's a bit of a humanitarian as well. I I believe I see her, you know, kind of going out and doing some things for some good efforts. And 
I love that. Mm-hmm. Hey, what do you feel about the uh, Leprechaun series? Ooh, you know what? I've <laughs> okay. I've seen the first one, obviously with Je- Jennifer Aniston, and then I think I saw was it the fourth one, Tales for, or Leprechaun from the Hood with Ice T. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I. There's no specific reason why I haven't watched the others. I just never did. I don't know. It was like another one that I think they embraced the comedic value in it. And I think maybe after they did that first one, they probably realized that was really the only thing that they had going for them was to embrace the comedic value and make it as cheesy as possible. I, I, yeah, we actually recently did that uh, actually back in March. Um, I I agree. I, I think this movie just like, like totally, Oh God! You know, it just kind of leaned into, and it's it's almost like very. What is it? Um, Tongue in maybe cheek. a little racist or or um, um, I don't know. Oh. I mean, it's just like like leaning against, into that 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 that, that you know, yeah, very uh, not anti-Semitic, but I know what you mean. It's um, yeah. It's they're stereotyping big time. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you see, like, like like you feel that with every single every single one of them that you've seen. Um, <laughs> the first one was like so cheesy, and was just like the CGI was so terrible. But yeah. it was like, why? Why are you like franchising this? <laughs> and, and, and you know, I mean, I get this little guy is like uh evil guy but you know he ended up becoming a, a protagonist <laughs> so by the third movie you're just like oh my god what <laughs> you know freddy krueger yeah you can root for but you never really root for her. yeah you just do it because as you're getting older and you're like oh yeah hell yeah i want the i want the fucking bad guy to win Yes, I want the bad guy to win. You know, <laughs> these guys are shitty. Um, you know, this guy, uh, the 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 leprechaun never. I, there was no rhyme or reason of why. No, he became why he was, or he just was wanted his gold or protect, and it was just like, stop with this franchise. Well, that leads Stop. me to that leads me to say something that I I have a feeling you're not gonna you're not gonna be on board with my my opinion here. But um, I'm good with that. Go ahead. That's how I feel about the Chucky franchise. Ooh, <laughs> I don't think I I'm gonna surprise you with this. Go ahead, keep going. Well, I watched Child's Play when I was, Mm -hmm. I don't know, eight or nine, and it did nothing for me. I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't scared by it. I thought it was ridiculous. I didn't really understand the appeal of it. Um, And I was watching horror movies all the time at that time. And the thing is, for me, it was up against so many weighted, amazing horror movies that it lost its time for it to be enjoyable. And so I understand why they continued on with the series, but over the years, as I have tried to watch them, they didn't 
embrace the comedic horror the way that I think they could have. And instead, mm-hmm. they tried to recreate Child's Play, which obviously was a cult hit. A lot of people loved it. And right. I just, it was too much of the same thing until you got to, um, was it Bride of Chucky? And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, en- I enjoyed that as a kind of a popcorn movie. It was great. Jennifer Tilly is easy to look at. She's fun. It was kind of cool to watch them incorporate her in the way that they did into her becoming the doll with him. So I could understand that direction that they took, but Mm. it was, it was too much of Chucky, the good guy. And the story was just beyond simplistic that it was beating a dead horse. God, I I gotta say, I get, uh, agree. Um, you know, I think Chucky, like to me as a kid, when I saw it, was scary as hell. Uh, Chucky became comedic, <laughs> so comedic to me that you know, um, you know, I lost interest. And then Jennifer Tilly came in, and like her, you know, she was like all out there, and yeah. <laughs> You know, bundled right up. Yeah, um, you know, that's Chucky's girlfriend right there, and it's they rode that for so so long, and I still lost interest. Uh, Even Cole to Chucky, they said, "Oh, it's so good," because Chucky became back or came back, and I'm like, "No, no." I even when they did the remake with like Mark Hamill and uh, uh, what's her name. Audrey Day. Audrey Plaza. Plaza. Um, yeah. So I was like, no, no. I'm I, I was done with that, like, probably after, like, the third one. Yeah. You know, I actually just watched, um, because I watched Cult of Chucky. It was recommended to me, and I thought it was awful. That's the one with them in the hospital, right? Yeah, exactly right. Oh, wow. So it, it's got Fiona. Uh, What's her name? Uh, the the original voice of Chucky's daughter. Um, so she was in there the whole time. So we're like, oh, yeah, hey, let's check this out. And I'm like, no, this is not good. It's really not good. No. And I watched no. the one with Audrey Plaza, I guess that's her name. Yeah. Because, again, it was recommended to me. I don't know why people recommend these movies to me. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're a horror movie fan, that's why. I guess, but that's not a horror movie. You'll hear it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing. I I feel like if you're going to recommend a horror movie to a horror movie fan, it should at least be a cult horror movie, a a classic. It should have something really, really epic to it. It should have good writing or good acting or really good direction or good cinematography. But if you're going to recommend child's play to a <laughs> horror fan you're not a horror fan i just i'm just gonna say it <laughs> well I, I, I maybe maybe to defend them a little bit is that maybe that was the first horror movie they saw and they're like that scared the shit out of me you gotta see this movie oh my gosh i mean again you and i are seasoned veterans <laughs> loosely speaking so. when well, it comes to horror movies it, it's like we we have talked about 
hey, maybe we should talk about this movie or, or whatever, um, we are going to have you on our podcast and make sure you watch Halloween 3. Oh, um, I will. And I will have okay. notes. Pages okay. and pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like, you know, you've people are going to recommend things to you, but you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. And you're like, yeah, I've seen that, but that's kind of shit. Or the, you know, what's funny, though, is the person who recommended it to me. Now, he is a horror movie fan as well, quote unquote. He prefers the Lovecraft, sort of the monsters and the sci-fi, the weird. So I was a little surprised that he was like, no, 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 this one is actually good. You're actually going to enjoy this one. But I should have known because he really enjoyed It and It Chapter 2. And I hated those movies. So so the, 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 this guy recommended uh, uh, what, uh, Cult of Chucky? And yes, Cult of Chucky and Child's Play. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I know. Uh, I, I, I know. We get into arguments about horror movies all the time. He thinks I'm crazy. And I think he's crazy, but he likes, like I said, he likes it and it chapter two. Obviously he likes the check. He ones. I think we'll all agree on this one is that we should re- recommend to that guy, uh, the wailing. <laughs> he would be bored. He'd probably fall asleep and not understand it. Would he really? Probably. Uh, <laughs> if, if child's play is, is keeping someone completely engaged. I don't imagine a slow burn like the wailing is going to keep them engaged. Oh, I actually got a the rec- recommendation for him. If he can get a uh, shutter, watch Host. That'll scare oh, the shit out of you, buddy. Host is on my list. I can't wait to see that one. Oh, oh, that one's fun. Yes. Sorry. Found nope. footage. Kind of. Nope. It'll, it'll, it'll make you pee a little bit. Uh, what accepted. else do we get? Huh? <laughs> I said challenge accepted. <laughs> oh, there you go. I don't get scared. Just don't pee your pants because if you do, then I win. All right. Um, I'm okay with that. Texas Chainsaw. Ugh. Yeah, that's another. There, there was there was nothing good. Um, I got nostalgia for the second one. The first one I love. God. No. Dennis Hopper was awesome. The what? Dennis Hopper. Oh, yeah fantastic but yeah anything beyond those ones no good no good have you seen the remake like from 2003 was that with I jessica biel it was mm-hmm. I, I mean there was some good there was some good cinematography in there but it was like so bad yeah i mean i think this falls in that one specifically and it's just so weird to even say this in terms of any kind of texas chainsaw film but it, it fell into the unnecessary element of gore to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all, <laughs> it's Texas Chainsaw, so it's technically all unnecessary gore. But I, it didn't, the gore that they did in the remake didn't fit, I thought, to the family and sort of what they were doing. It just mm-hmm. added, they tried to add these elements of shock and I just can't get on board with elements of shock for overly gore movies i can't do it and that's all it was yeah you know, i mean the, the one thing is the, the perfection was texas chainsaw texas chainsaw 2 was toby hooper trying to cash a check 
Um, it was fun, but you know, it definitely wasn't the OG. Yeah. I was like, oh, so Leatherface became this icon, but do you really think he should have been? <laughs> well, I'm going to put him into the same category as I put Pinhead. These are amazingly iconic, fantastic characters, but in very poorly done movies. Right. And right. There's just so much that could have been done with them. And unfortunately, there wasn't a lot done with them. Like, I rewatched Hellraiser recently because I remember loving it as a child. I remember loving Pinhead. And it's the same thing with, with Texas Chainsaw. I remember loving that character. And then when you actually go back and watch the movie, those characters aren't in it very much. Nope, not at all. And it just really kind of takes it away because they're such amazing, iconic characters and it's a bit of a shame. And Hellraiser especially because I think the Cenobites are some of the coolest looking villains I've ever seen in my life. And they're so, I totally agree. so under- yeah, I, I agree with you more that, that, that Pinhead could have been more of an iconic character. I think... Leatherface became an iconic character because of circumstance, but I think that that um, Pinhead was, you know, he was your next Jason or oh. Michael Myers. He should have been. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, he would have actually killed all of them. If, if there was yep. a world of these serial killers... The Cenobites would have overtaken everybody, but they just fell so short in the movies. And it's so disappointing. And then, I don't know if you ever watched the remake of Hellraiser. I couldn't even get through it. It was so bad. Mm. No, because I hold, I held it in such high regard that I'm like, nah, no, nah, I don't want to watch that. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, David Bradley as Pinhead, oh. because he was so like, he was like so, you know, just kind of. I'm going to take your soul. <laughs> okay, here comes the hooks. Yeah, I don't know. I missed that. Yeah. All right. I agree. Did we miss anything? Oh my gosh! Child's Play, we hit. Yeah. Um, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh my God, Jason! I mean, there's been so many echelons of Jason. I'll tell you the the one thing about Friday the Thirteenth was like so different than anything else is that first one was the mom being so psycho of kill her mommy, kill her mommy. It's true, you know, and, and that that was like so different than any other slasher that you ever saw in the eighties mm-hmm. because. It was the mom doing it. Uh, the second one was, you know, him with the burlap sack. And then, uh, of course, the third one became the iconic no. hockey mask. Yeah. I agree. So with I you. thought the, the first couple. I thought the progression of that story was better than any other slasher or classic horror movie. It made more sense, the progression. It did. Yes, I agree mm-hmm. with you. But I just felt like they didn't, 
it just became cheesy and it was the same, same thing as Chucky. It was the same thing over and over and over. And there wasn't any color to it. It was just boring. Well, I think that's the problem with any horror movie is that you, you become so supernatural is that you always find a way out and mm-hmm. then you can make a sequel of it. But that's you know. why I, I respect directors that, don't want to do sequels and actually i found out Wes craven ironically some fun facts about nightmare okay he didn't want to do a sequel but the the big boss at new line cinema insisted on it and how Wes craven really wanted to end it was with nancy turning her back on freddie and his violence which killed him and i guess later on he regretted not doing that ending and he did not go on to do any others. He did have a hand in writing some of the others, but he didn't direct anymore. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. But the, the one part that I found actually really interesting about this movie specifically uh, was where it came from. I had no idea about this. So Wes Craven wrote the screenplay after he read a few newspaper articles about mysterious death dreams, which were reported by men, one of who later died in his sleep after having these dreams. Whoa. And apparently in 1981, the federal government even looked into it. Crazy. So crazy. People died like in their dreams? Yeah, there was a brief period of time, I guess, where there was a specific group of men that had dreams about dying in their sleep and one of them actually died in his sleep oh my gosh and so Wes Craven being the creative mind he is (laughs) went on to do a movie about it no you ever seen the 1972 last house on the left oh I I haven't I've seen don't watch it I don't want to I've seen the yeah do not watch it I can't if it's anything like the original I spit on your grave I can't yeah, you know, it's uh, it it's yeah, it's about it's right there. Yeah, don't watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, you know. Um, and maybe we can leave off at this point. But um, I was talking about the the worst movies in terms of content that I've ever watched in my life, ever, 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 and c- will never get out of my head again. I spit on your grave is one of them. Yes. Um, the Last House on the Left, the remake is one of them. And I would imagine the original would be even worse. You know, I, to be honest and not to cut you off, but it, it's about the same. I mean, they actually held true to what the 1972 movie had. So, yes, it was it was God awful. It okay. was so hard to watch. I will I will not watch that one. But the nope. the worst one I've ever seen is Martyrs. And I will never, ever tell anyone to watch this movie. Uh, yeah. As as hard as that to watch, but it's like, it's got kind of a message to it. Of course. I mean, one of the few movies where you're like, God, I hate watching this, but oh my gosh, it just, yeah, yeah I kind of get what they're saying. I think up until the last scene which 
I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I oh, could, yeah. Um, it's not that I could get on board with, but I could potentially stomach it a little bit more. But when that last scene happened, mm-hmm. I wanted to write a letter to the director and say, I wish you gave me a warning that that scene was coming <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say I get scared for movies, but that movie, it, yeah, it disturbed me more than any movie I've ever seen in my lifetime. I don't know if it's, if it's scared, but it's just like, you feel so, uh, you, you feel dirty. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know any other way to say it, but you you feel dirty. Yep. I mean, you're talking about like, like, uh, I spit on your grave. You feel so dirty watching that. And you're just like. Why am I watching this? I feel like I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm sitting here watching this and I'm not doing anything about it. But <laughs> I got to tell you, I could watch I Spit on Your Grave again over watching Martyrs. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's how wow. much that scene and the content of that movie affected me. Holy moly. Yeah. And I'm not good with stabbing and rapes, so... If any, so any any Anya Gore fans do not watch Martyrs <laughs> because that will fuck you up. Or alternatively, if you want to see the most fucked up movie you're ever going to watch in your life, watch I dare Martyrs. You. <laughs> oh, hey, Anya is daring you to watch <laughs> Martyrs. Yeah, I, I, I would actually recommend against watching Martyrs. Yeah. Unless you've got a really, really, really strong stomach. Yeah. And I, I feel like I actually don't know anybody that would have a stomach and be okay with that. No, no, I, I, I don't. I, I'm thinking about it right now. My no. stomach's yeah. like turning right now and I'm just yeah. drinking water. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, John, this has been really good and really fun chatting with you. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me on. We we appreciate you a lot. We are going to uh, be talking to you here in just a couple of weeks, too. So, right. All right. Well, you have a great time. And uh, I don't know if we're going to go live, but hey, look, I'm around anytime you guys need to chat. Sounds good, John. And everybody listening, go and check out Horrorphoria on both horrorphoria.com and also on their Instagram page. Absolutely. Have a good night. Bye, John. See ya.